What is up everyone? Welcome back to another Digital Artcast. Um, I'm your host Gordy and we are back with another episode on another awesome artist. Um, again, just throwing these out here as quickly and as rapidly as I can because I feel like I've been lacking in content in the last couple of months just because I've been so busy with work um, and freelancing. So yeah, basically just trying to get guests on when I can. Um, and I've been lucky the last couple of episodes I've been managed to get a, a good couple of uh, 3D artists that I've really wanted in the show for a while. Um, and the next guy I've got just now is um, someone who I've um, admired from afar from a couple of years. His work kind of came across my path um, through one of his tutorials he published and since then I've just been a fan of his work. Um, so yeah, um, welcome onto the show, Tobias Coet. What's happening? What's happening, Hi, Tobias? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, man, no worries. Um, I'm saying that right, Tobias Coep, that's that's accurate. Oh, no, people always get it wrong. It's uh, The last name is Cup, which is kind of uh, like a German pronunciation. Ah, uh, so okay. I always yeah. have to spell it or like write it out for people because it's really difficult. Yeah, well, I noticed with your profile, but are, are you originally from uh, Germany, Sweden, or, or where are you from originally? Like, where do you kind of hail from? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm from, I'm born in Germany, but uh, okay. yeah, currently I work in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. Okay, cool, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's always hard with uh, me, especially with these, with uh, European accents. It's it's always hard to place. But um, yeah, no, I'm a I'm a fan of Germany. It's the one language actually I took in school that I was still pretty good at when I left. So um, nice. I can I can do all the basics and introduce myself and say hello and goodbye. So um, I usually throw that one when I bump into Pauline Voss or Spirit on at some events. Um, always kind of try and throw my my crappy German out with them. But uh, but yeah, that's awesome, man. Thanks for for giving up your time and coming on the show. Awesome. Um, Totally appreciate it. Um, so yeah, like I mean, like I was saying in the intro, you know, and as we were talking earlier, me and Tobias were actually having a, a kind of fanboy talk out about video games and stuff before we started recording. But um, yeah, I was just saying that I came across your stylized dungeon tutorial. Um, that would have been what two, three years ago now, something oh, like that. I, yeah, probably three years ago I made that one. Yeah, and that to me was like I said again. We were talking about this before we started recording, but. I felt like there was a lack of not just environment tutorials, but mostly stylized tutorials. Um, you know, I've not seen a, a ton of them that I've came across that are, are the same kind of style. And I think when I saw that, because I was such a fanboy of Blizzard stuff as well, and I wanted to work there, um, when I saw the tutorial, I was like, oh, this is sick and this is really awesome. So um, what was the kind of inspiration even behind that? Was it, was it, did you feel there was a lack of stuff or was it just something you wanted to put out in the ether or? Oh, oh the, the the whole reason for this is super boring. Like I I got approached by some people uh, from Three uh, D Motive who were asking me for a tutorial. Um, right. So then I started thinking about yeah, what 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 can I do? What would people like to see? And then we kind of agreed on okay, let's let's make an environment. And then we discussed you know about time and money and all that. And then we ended up making like this diorama. And right. I've just gone for okay dungeon couple yeah. different textures uh, cool lighting i think this is what people can uh yeah. definitely try yeah i mean it was awesome for me and i think you're totally you hit the nail on the head there it was it was 3d motive i remember i think i was initially looking at that website because someone had recommended it for learning 3d at the time um because at the time you got to university like no one was teaching us really anything to do like i just we just my last interview actually um i just spoke with a guy adam who's out working in tokyo and he was saying the same when he went to uni in the UK. It was a very basic course. You know, nobody was really teaching you art within 3D. It was literally just, here's the program. Here's how to make a cube. Here's how to make a sphere. 
um, you know, and your assignment is make a whole environment in three weeks, even though you know next to nothing. So, um, yeah, like that was the we were then searching online for, you know, uh, like no more, and you know, I don't know if Learn Squid was about at the time, and in other places like who could offer, and then I think three D Motive was one of the more prominent ones we found that done tutorials and stuff so um so yeah but i mean that was awesome i mean you say it's it's boring but you know at least getting approached by um a place like motive would be a big opportunity because then your work is getting kind of yeah exactly that was a really good timing and because i was i think maybe yeah it was probably three and a half years ago or something and then it was my first job so having then some more content uh, and working on a tutorial that will many people will see is uh, good, like also good exposure. As stupid as it sounds, sometimes, but exposure also sometimes quite. Oh, nice. of course, yeah. And then, but then, so you were working for them doing that tutorial before you actually had your first job. No, it was during my first job, but um, okay, uh, they just approached me during that time and it's like, okay, a couple evenings a week, I'll work on this and uh, get yeah. some extra money. And also, like for me, uh, also this is good to have on my portfolio still, I think, because it shows that I can also uh, show other people or teach other people some some skills. Yeah, which leads into, if you want to go into a lead senior role, then obviously you can pass that, that information on. So yeah, the, that that was great. And then, I mean, since then, you've just kind of put out these these personal projects. I mean, it's it, it's difficult, obviously, when you work in the industry, a lot of your stuff is under NDA, so you can never really share stuff. But yeah, you've, you've managed to keep stuff, I mean, quite rapidly. I mean, even the, the fact that you know, now you're working at King and, um, you know, you, you managed to still do work with um, Spyro, the, the Reignited trilogy, but that was that wasn't through King, right? That was just a, a totally just with that company and it was freelance? Uh, yes, that was before I joined King. Um, I had like half a year of freelance because I was quitting another job and uh, okay. the opportunity came up and uh, Toys for Bob, the company mm-hmm. who made uh, Spyro now and uh, before they made... Uh, the, the toy what's the other toy game um skylanders, skylanders. Yeah. yeah um so they approached me i was like hey, I, I kind of know what kind of games they've done and sure i'm interested let's talk about this and then the moment i found out yeah we're actually remaking spiral was super awesome <laughs> yeah i could imagine yeah like a game we were talking about this before we started recording but yeah we both grew up playing spiral yeah. and um i mean i'm still literally waiting for that jack and dax that re-release like that's going to be my absolute fave because uh like apart from spiral like jack and dax that was also one of my favorite games growing up so um so yeah which is even better because uh talking about childhood uh kind of goals and stuff um i'm going to trojan horse was a unicorn um this year again the second year and they just announced their first speaker and it's amy hennig and apart from you know writing the uncharted series she also started at Crystal Dynamics writing the Legacy of Kane series and that for me was one of my all-time favorite game franchises so um I mean that's going to be like you know just an incredible you know, feeling to meet her and talk about like what an impact she had on my life with those games but um yes yeah, I think it's just one of these things once you start working in games or film like getting to work in these franchises you grew up with it's yeah it's it's amazing it's just a a dream you almost would do it for free if you didn't have to pay rent and eat right that's that's the only downfall so yeah yeah um, those things uh yeah you need to get paid otherwise uh, you can't live yeah somebody had put it on a it was a facebook post and it was like oh no whether it was it was it was something like somebody had captured a comment on facebook or twitter and it was like some guy put like fucking artists always asking for money for this stupid passion they're supposed to be able to do for free 
<laughs> and then like, like and, and, and food and uh, yeah yeah the guy's like oh man he's like, he's probably going to blow it all in money and sh- on what is it in shelter and food <laughs> <laughs> i was like yeah pretty much <laughs> like, oh god man like even people are like that like, like oh you work in games oh you must get to do nothing all day and we're like oh, fucking i wish like <laughs> i've got to earn money like i've got to do something to be worth money so um yeah that's that's always the hardest part when you explain to your family or friends like you work in video games they just yeah, think lady, that you exactly show me like but show me the job where you actually get paid just playing i know for doing nothing like you're like you're just skateboarding down the aisles like firing nerf guns at people um so yeah it's oh god so i mean apart from you know all you've done recently and these big things you've got to work on um where where was the start where where did it begin did you go to university for this did you go on a course as well or um i i actually started uh university just very very classic uh way of getting into the industry i would say this was uh, my course was like four years and i moved to the netherlands for that um just because i was kind of interested and in, in like moving to like other places and in europe it's quite easy so you can just go kind of um and the Netherlands was quite, it was affordable, which in, in Germany, you have, you have a lot of like very private courses. I don't know if it's the same still, because I think, when did I start? I think 2011. So I don't know how it works these days, but uh, right, yeah. it was a good option to go to the Netherlands. And it was just a four-year course, a lot of 3D, um, very general. Like you learn a lot, uh, animation, like rendering, character art. So you kind of, as a person or as a student, you have to kind of find your own niche and what you want to get better at. Otherwise, you're very generalist and not very good at anything in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you know kind of early on where you wanted to focus or were you still leaving you need like, I'm not sure what I want to do or I haven't really got a great indication where I want to go or? Yeah. And I think in the beginning, I mean, I before that, I've never really done 3D, so I was always interested in 3D. But um, when we started learning animation, I totally thought I was going to be an animator at some like some oh God. I, yeah, uh, it's not what I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, people have the similar. I mean, like my course was animation based as well, and when you initially get in, you kind of think, "Oh, that could be cool. I really, I might enjoy that." Because I think people just associate that with the days when they used to watch cartoons and think that would be something fun to do. But then 3D animation in itself, I mean, no wonder there is, you know, no a great amount of people who want to do 3D animation because it is, you know, a very, unless you love it, it's a very tedious thing to do. Cause yeah, I have really a big respect for people because, like, I think it's still very awesome to see something come to life. And I think when we started learning it, it was very quick. Like, we had a bouncing ball or something in it. And oh, God, yeah, then as well. In, like, half an hour, it jumped. I was like, oh, wow, so the satisfaction is so quick. But then... Mm the more you get into it you're like oh no this is actually really hard yeah no definitely i mean when i got the the great opportunity to go and do um my internship up at access in glasgow they were working on a couple of uh, features at the time um for stuff and watching the anime stuff was just like how they had the patience to do some of that stuff it was it was crazy absolutely crazy so yeah mad respect for people who want to do that and then when you left uni and, and you kind of were wandering about where was your first like paid gig? Was it was it within the Netherlands, or did you have to move back? Or? Oh no, I had to move. Like finding that first job was quite took took some time. I think it took me like half a year to find find my first job. And uh, okay. luckily, I had I had some friends who were like in a year 
like after me that um, they had currently like their internship in, in an outsource studio that was in Spain. And okay. they kind of helped me get a job there. So I, I had to move to Spain for that one. Okay, wow. Was that the, the Cotasync uh, crew you were with? or uh, That was um, Elite 3D, which is an outsourcing studio. They make like games for all sorts of stuff. And I think when I was there, I worked on like some of the Call of Duty franchise, but it was mostly assets and also doing uh, mobile game assets. So like a bit of everything was really, like for the learning experience, it was really nice because you kind of get to try a bit of everything. A lot of stuff, yeah. See, like, how, awesome. like what kind of workflows different companies are using. So that was definitely quite uh, beneficial. I mean, that's interesting you say as well, like even with the Call of Duty stuff. I mean, have you found that your work is more, have you done more, like I say, realistic stuff? Have you done more realism versus the stylized stuff you're probably known for or I am um, I think I mean like my my personal style of like preference was always uh stylized because I I kind of see it like this if you want to work somewhere do do something you like and then you kind of find a job that you can do with the things you like instead of working yourself to do something that you might not enjoy as much right but um I would say working there like on these kind of assets was really helpful because um that it it just you try to like replicate re, well, replicate something um as quickly as possible and that really sharpens your skills even then if you go back to doing stylized stuff yeah it applies to that as well yeah i mean that's interesting i'm just saying because you know I, some people always talk about like you know should i do realism should i do this should I, and then yeah i think the answer is just do what makes you happy but then I think with more, um, especially working in outsourcing studios, access was the same. They look for people who could move between genres, so yeah, people who exactly. could do more sci-fi stuff, and also who could do super. I mean, they just they just recently released the Blizzard short they done for them, the Heroes of the Storm uh, cinematic for one of the characters, and that was like you know proper stylized three D stuff um, that you typically see with Blizzard, and then they also have done like Warhammer 40k when I was there they were doing the Dawn of War 3 stuff so um yeah they they basically have a, a wide gambit artist who can turn to each style but I think it is important as an artist that you can be flexible on projects because then yeah you don't know where the next paycheck will be coming from so exactly you like you need to be a bit versatile and also um kind of sometimes just accept that it might not be the project you want to work on but uh it, it it's better for you if you have more than just one skill so it's also easier for you to stay at your job or like switch around yeah totally and then of course when you're working you can always freelance projects if you want to really get involved in something sometimes there will be opportunities to work on it like you know like spiral you know it will come along when you can at least expect it and it will be something you want to do but you know spiral for you came like i don't even know how many years but years after you'd worked in you know different studios and done other things that weren't maybe related to what you wanted to do um although i'm assuming um, King would be a great opportunity again to flex that muscle because they're typically known for the more stylized stuff um, that they do through mobile. So, um, is that the case at King? Are you getting to be more yourself there? Uh, I mean, the King is very like very casual, and like if you if you want to like reach like millions of players like they do, then you have to have a certain style that appeals to like the most people possible. So yeah, like if you look at the games, they're very. Um, very accessible, very, very stylized. And yeah, of course, yeah. like, then I think, I mean, the, the opportunity for Spyro came because I've done all these uh, stylized 
personal projects on my portfolio. So I, I've, I would have never known they worked on Spiral if they haven't approached me. So for me, this would have been a total surprise. But because I had this work, um, I had the opportunity to work on it. And the same with King, because they saw what I've been doing. Uh, they also contacted me. And so this is kind of the, the work you put in, like in your portfolio. And if you show if you're passionate about a certain style, then people will also reach out to you. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've, I've seen so many people I know take on side gigs and a lot of the guys recently I've been working with, um, you know, some of the guys, uh, I think it's Airborne Studios and mm. they, they do stuff for Blizzard, you know, the, the skins for Overwatch and stuff. So, um, yeah, people have been getting work through that as well. And, and yeah, the, I think that's the same thing is that you might not um, you might not get the opportunity to work within Blizzard within the studio, but there's always maybe opportunity to do outsource stuff because they, they do look for, I mean, like, you know, Axis is in Glasgow, but yeah, they got the opportunity to work on the the Heroes of the Storm short, um, which was great. So, um, people who've worked at the studio in Glasgow can say, "Yeah, I've worked on a Blizzard project." So, I mean, it's it's a big deal for a lot of people. So, um, so yeah, it's great that these these outsourcing studios now exist, and there is an opportunity for people to to branch out and and try new things outside of their their comfort zone. So, yeah, some some projects are just so big they don't fit in a like in a physical space in the studio. They just need so much help from out uh, yeah from the outside. Like when we worked on Spyro, there was like this entire group of like people like freelancers just supporting them from like all across uh, the, the world because yeah. they, I don't think they had the capacity and it was really awesome to see like some, like you were just like seeing in the chat, like all these names that you like, uh, <laughs> you were so inspired by like, Hey, we work on yeah. things. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we had this conversation the last time me and Adam talked and it was literally about, with the layoffs at EA and um, Blizzard and, you know, Telltale shutting down, they were kind of saying, is the 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 model of having a game studio, is that something that can be sustained for the long term? Um, or are you going to find it's more people being freelance positions, working from around the globe just via email, like um, kind of virtual virtual kind of studio environment where you're working from your desk but still talking to people and still going to meetings on Skype and stuff? Um I don't know, do, do you feel that is valid at all or do you feel like game studios can still exist in a way? Or um, So I, I think, sure, game studios still exist and should exist, but it's probably like you never know how the industry is changing. It's changing so fast, but uh, for like environment artists or asset artists, for example, I think um, a lot of freelance work or asset work gets outsourced because um like many many studios only employ like environment artists and they get their assets done like elsewhere and so there's probably some shifting in resources but there's always a need for people to actually build a game in like in a physical space i think it's very beneficial yeah yeah definitely i think yeah, the models can both exist i think it's just the size of the companies that could sometimes be overreaching or um or things that can be maybe um i mean i don't know i, I don't know too much about the the actual details of it but i do know that i think the last time i checked the ea guys especially a, a lot of the people that were let go were like the marketing team or people that had worked with in publishing or, or post-production stuff so i don't think it was maybe the art side that was affected as much but um but yeah it's just that it's kind of kind of scary but I, I think it's just because the industry for me is also very new i like a lot of people who work in the, the games industry are now like that's just a thing for them now they understand that like at any minute their job could be in danger and although that really sucks i mean i think it is just the way that because you're publishing a product that really in essence can go either way like people can hate it or people can go out and buy it in millions so 
um, the consumer really has a lot of power over the studio. And um, I think as soon as I started to see, especially when the Anthem just got released, um, I was really looking forward to that. And I think when it started to get a lot of the negative press, my mind went straight to, you know, because I know a couple of the guys who work in that studio and I was like, yeah, I'm almost fearing for their jobs now because who knows what's going to happen now because it's got the, the kind of negative backlash. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's always a worry, I think, for, for the games industry artists. Is, I mean, is that why you push your personal stuff so much? Do you feel like that's almost like a, a safety net that's there for you? Um, well, I think it's good to stay like common or like at least show every now and then that you have some work because, yeah, it's true. You never know. Like if, uh, like, I mean... You, you never know if you get laid off or something or you have to change jobs for whatever reason. Um, and then it's good to not have to suddenly start making a portfolio, but already kind of having one. Um, and that is quite uh, current, I would say, so that you can just go out again and, and try to look for a new job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've, the power of personal projects has been something that I've seen at nearly every talk i've been to in the last three years four years people keep talking about like yeah you need to stay relevant you need to be still kind of producing stuff even though you're working and it can be hard i think especially for people who are just starting out in the industry to balance a project plus you know go to their work five days a week but um like you said it, it keeps you relevant it keeps you within the aspect of you know if something happens you have got this you know portfolio of work because yeah you i mean people have done it you know you can work on a project in a studio for four or five years and then at the end of it you might not get to actually show what you worked on so yeah, exactly yeah you need That's stuff uh, you, you, i mean for most of the time you work on something you're under nda uh projects can never like reach the end or you leave a company before um the, the game gets shipped or you don't get the permission to show like some of your work for example like uh, yeah. a couple of games where i'm just not allowed to show some of that so what do i do i sh i do something on my own which yeah. I have kind of the rights over and I can show without having fear for someone like, no, no, this is not allowed. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I definitely feel that's something that a lot of guys will struggle. Um, I mean, there was even, again, back to a Facebook meme, there was someone who had put on like a joke thing and it was like, um, you know, the guy showing like, oh, this is my dog. And then the guy would say, does he bite? And he says, no, but he can hurt you in other ways. And then he looks down at the dog and the dog says, nothing you've done this year can go in your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was quite good. Yeah, so, also, also, so much work you do, like before a game, for example, can go in production. So you do all this cool work, but it will never be used in the end product. So you can't show it. Yeah, no, I could. I mean, especially I think, particularly again, go. I'm, I draw for this a lot, but it's because it's the only real industry experience I've had. But when I was at Axis, um, a lot of the things would be a thing where people couldn't show stuff because because you're in that that um, outsourcing field you don't really hold the, the, the power or the permissions that it's with the other company. So when Axis is doing work like, you know, for Amazon or any other company, they had to then say to the guys at, at the, the other company, can we show stuff? And then if they said no, then yeah, you just, it would get lost to the ether. You would never see it. And, you know, they couldn't really fight that because it's not their IP. It's not their project. Initially, it's not something that they own outright. So um, whereas if you work for a games company and they own the game, then, they can, you know, they've got more a, a direct say to say, yeah, you can or no, you can't. So, um, yeah, yeah exactly. interesting. Like in, a, like in, I mean, I worked. My first job was in an outsource too, so we don't have the rights. So it's it's only kind of nice of them if we are allowed to show it, but we're just providing a service, and our yeah. job is to give them like an asset, and that yeah. is, and if they say yes, you can show it, that's just them being nice. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, we just we're just there to do their work basically. Yeah, yeah, just stuff that they feel like they can't, you know, spend a lot of time on, so they'll just outsource it to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because one of the guys I'm working with just now who's helping me with my 3D, he's actually an artist in um, the Call of Duty franchise, and he does talk about a lot about, you know, the stuff that they send out, you know, for, for outsourcing. And, and um, yeah, it just seems like it's, it's just a more efficient way now of building games. You know, you want to be able to just say, well, this stuff can get built and this needs more attention, but then we can take all this chunky work and just throw it at an outsourcing studio and, and yeah, it makes the, the the load of the game a lot easier to, to contemplate, um, especially when you're building something like Call of Duty, which is such a huge thing. Um, so, yeah. So that was, I mean, that's been a kind of journey you went from Elite 3D straight to King. Um, but then do you have an angle? Do you have a, 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 a kind of a, a thing in sight that would be your ultimate, like something you'd love to work on or some, or a company. I mean, we've talked about like, you know, we both love Blizzard, but then is there any, like, would you love to go work there or would you just even want to work on a project with them or is there a, a company or a game you really want to work on or? Um, so um, after, after Elite, I was still, uh, CodeSing was my next company, which was like the VR uh, mobile company. And then I went to King just to throw that in there. But as, um, hmm. I think for me, because I've worked in, in mobile like a very long time, I still like really want to be working on like larger scale environments, like something more like Spyro, where you have a bit more like every player, a bit more freedom or have, can be a bit more immersed. So like environment right. art is still like on the top of my list for like any any future project. And then also for me, it's it's would be cool to kind of mix that with like something something stylized. Like mm-hmm. I look, if I look around in Europe, I can see like Rare, for example, doing the Sea of Thieves, which is like looks super amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Super, super um, um, yeah. And, yeah, of course, uh, Blizzard is also very high on that list always. Of course, yeah, yeah. I think it's like the it's the pinnacle. I think for most people in our field, like I think it's one of the few places that you know, like like that Santa Monica. Um, you know, teaching at Nomon or a couple of stuff like that. I got to, you know, Canada and Toronto for a year. So, yeah, I think the, the ones on the other side of the water are always a, a pipe dream for a lot of people. I think it's, it's it's one place a lot of people want to try and even just experience. I mean, maybe people won't always love it as, as much as they think, but I think even just having the opportunity to go out and say you've been there is a big um, accolade on your portfolio. Um, and it seems, every time I talk to people who have worked there or you know, look at a lot of people on my my friends' feed who who have got jobs there. It always seems like they're having an absolute blast. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely high on the list for those reasons. I think I, I talked about this earlier, and people always talked about why I want to work at Blizzard, and is it because of you know the money, or is it because of the stature? And it's more just because I felt like Blizzard was a, a company that would treat their employees like you know like people, you know, like actual assets, like things that they would need to invest in or look after. Um, not that saying that obviously game studios have a a thing where you know they mistreat people, but I just felt like Blizzard had this this pinnacle of um, like they really looked after the people they employed. Um, was that the same for you, or is it just the projects? Or uh, no, I think I mean I've uh, I had the chance there to to go and visit once, and uh, I was also like at, at BlizzCon last year, so I did like the sense of community and everyone working there. People are just being super friendly and and really enjoy being there and working there and i think you can see that like how they 
share their stories and also like how the players love their game. So I think they're doing definitely the right thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like Blizzard in itself, I think it's just been. I think that's why they pick the people they pick. I think people always said this a while back. There was that it wasn't just the portfolio. Um, it was more just like. Do they have a passion for the Blizzard franchises? Can you see it, you know, when they talk to you? If that's the case and it's more like they want to hire those people than anybody else because they want people on that project, they want people on that team that are very passionate about the world um, because then it bleeds through into the work they do, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, even just watching some of the guys like Glenn Rain back in the day talking about his pro- his process and Sam Ayala and stuff. And, yeah, some of the guys are just, they just bleed Blizzard um, all over their desk most days, so... Um, yeah, and then of course moving to King, is that are you are you in the London studio or are you no? Of course you're in Sweden, aren't you? you're in Stockholm. I'm, so I'm in Stockholm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, what was the the initial attraction? You know, gone from your last uh, position at the King was was it a project that had inspired you as well, or or were they they offering some kind of development with you as an artist? Um, what, what kind of brought you into the company? Uh, so the, it was actually so after after my 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 second job at CodeSync, I I had the opportunity to go and work at Blizzard, but like the problem was I didn't get the visa. So oh. because it's uh, under like this whole Activision umbrella, it's like this big company, King is part of it, Blizzard is part of it, uh, mm. all the Call of Duty franchises are part of it, they kind of referred me there and I was like, yeah, cool, I'll check it out, I'll interview with them. Uh, I went over there and it's like, it's a really, really friendly environment and I think they do it like very similar, they take really good care of the people and uh, mm. people generally really enjoy working there and being there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I have heard very similar stories. Um, I couldn't name names at the moment because, yeah, I think I've met them only once or twice, but I have spoke to a couple of guys who've worked at King and they've said it is a very um, great environment to work in, a lot of equal opportunities, a lot of diverse international staff um, and great projects. And, yeah, they do look after their, the people that work there. So, yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest concerns when you're, working at a studio it's not just the project it's not just the pay it's also am i going to enjoy coming to my work every day am i going to enjoy talking to the people next to me what's that going to feel like because um for me that's part of the reason i left my old job as an engineer because i just didn't enjoy the work um and some of the people i worked with so yeah it, it was definitely a thing for me where i was like yeah i couldn't do this for the next however many years for me it would have been you know 30 40 years but um that must be a big factor in the fact that you know you wanted to go there just to to, to enjoy the atmosphere of the people that you were working yeah, with. So it's super important uh, if 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 like the whole environment isn't good or like you you don't feel good, then I mean people move on. And I think as a as a company, you want people to feel good where you are, and and usually they're very interested in you staying there. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of companies are kind of shifting to that i hope at least i mean i don't know how it looks like in other places but um it's it's, it's a really good good environment yeah i mean if you hear some horror stories obviously like i think recently you know the one i could talk about was telltale obviously i, I knew a couple of the guys when they were leaving they were telling me stories like um i don't give a shit i don't work there so they, they can't come after me but yeah like, <laughs> they, they, were, they were literally talking about like they they got told they got brought in a meeting room first thing in the morning they were told they were fired the projects were closing the company was in trouble um and they had 30 minutes to leave the building a lot of guys couldn't actually get any of their stuff from desks like some people had their own antiques and stuff and they couldn't actually get in the building to get them back um so like 
yeah, like stuff for that from like for me is like I mean the ultimate slap in the face. Um and you know, one guy posted on Twitter like, you know, I spent weekends doing overtime and staying at night for nothing, like and now I've been fired, so like just don't do that with companies. Oh. Um but yeah, that's probably one of the worst case scenarios. I've I'm pretty sure or I've heard that most game studios aren't anything like that really. They are quite good at, you know, looking after their staff. So um but then again the industry is still I I think still young in a sense. Um so it's still maturing in in a way. So yeah, like you said, I think there is a shift where people are now or companies are now looking at people as assets and and people instead of just, you know, a number like or just a a, a person to make some art. Um so yeah, that's that's a positive, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, if you, I think hiring is probably for a company very difficult, and if if you can't like ensure or like if you can only keep people for like a year or so, then it's getting very uh, expensive for the company. So I think if you treat people well and have people like going to work, uh, that's never a bad idea. Yeah, no, definitely, it's something that you want to create a, a work culture, an office culture that inspires people to, you know, if they need to stay late, then it's not as big a deal. You feel like you could because, you know, you enjoy the place, you enjoy the people you work with. So, yeah, I think it's very important for, for people to do that. And uh, and I think it should be something people would integrate going forward in, in other places. So, but then, I mean, like with your work as well, I mean, because you're doing these projects, you know, and, and a lot of this stuff, you know, you can't. I, shan't, I think in fact, Spyro is one of the few things in the recent years you've been actually mainly posting your portfolio. Sure. But yeah, and then of course the Zelda thing you made recently, the the substance uh, material, which was also incredible. Um, where does your influence from style come from? Is it stylized games, or do you have artists in particular you've drawn from, or people you've you know you've worked at or looked at their work and you thought I'd love to make something like that, or you know where does that come from i i think it's like from like i probably from different kind of mediums and and everything i've never really been like if i, if I play games I, it's usually like oh cool it's super realistic that's not really like what i'm drawn to um so i think I, I figured out quite quickly myself that why should i make art um that i don't enjoy playing um but also uh I think like growing up, I really loved like Pixar movies or like playing games like, for example, anything like World of Warcraft. It's this super stylized, or um, just just the the media I consumed was probably more more stylized. Um, this doesn't mean I don't play like any. Uh, if it's not realistic, if it's realistic, I don't play it. That's not true. Yeah, but it's just like a personal preference, and I want to show like if people look at my art online, I want them to know. Okay, this uh, person likes doing this and you can clearly see that yeah definitely and was was there one um you know in particular artist that you know you felt influenced you to, to go that way or, or or stuff you looked at early on that you felt was something that you could draw from or was it like was it just like you said it was was it the media like your your, your animations you were watching or things you were consuming uh, i think like when I, I think when I started studying, like most of the artists I looked at, they, they were doing like very stylish stuff. I know I, when I when I was studying, I looked at a lot of uh, artists like from World of Warcraft because I really liked the, like the colors and the shape language. So I was really like yeah. following them and then trying to replicate that. And then I think later it just became a bit more like 
not so like dependent on these things, just going more freestyle and just like really finding like a subject I like and then trying to stylize it myself and, and just trying oh, to yeah. bring my own thing to it a bit. Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's that's the power eventually is when you, you initially get the, the inspiration, the stylized look you want, then taking that and making it your own is part of the journey. Um, like I know like your work obviously is something that inspires me and you know, there's one guy in Blizzard, um, I think it's is it Michael Vicen Vicente. Oh yeah. Um yeah, like his stuff as well, like for me, is just like one of the pinnacles of like really cool stylized stuff. Um, yeah, like I, always, sculpt- I always love lo- uh, looking at that stuff when I was sculpting something, like how do I stylize sculpt or like how do you even do oh, yeah. that? And then like looking at his work and it's like, oh yeah, this is so cool. Like, I'm one of yeah, the yeah. same. Like his stylized sculpt stuff has always been like wow like you know I'd, I'd love to replicate something like that and and yeah then I think the the harder bit is then finding your own take on that and, and building stuff that has your signature on it um, especially with the the stuff like Spyro because then a lot of stuff would have to fit within the design guide of the Spyro games but then you know it, it's less your personal flair and more just a, a stylized version that, that is universal between all the artists but um how do you feel even like with that work you know you're like you're doing at king is is that the same are you feeling that you're getting to put your own your own stamp on the work or are, are you finding that it's you have to morph in with the style that appeals to the game or mm, that's how how can i answer this i, I don't think i can say a lot about this but uh it's yeah. uh, they they have you there for a reason and i think like what i'm doing right now i can definitely help shape whatever we're doing yeah, of course, of course, without, without talking about what you're actually doing. So, uh, no, that's good. I think it's, it's you don't want to get lost in a company where you feel like you're not getting to um, express your own creative opinion on, on, on what you're doing. And then, I mean, is there a plan as well in the future? Like, I mean, I, I don't know, obviously, what you're doing at King and how busy you are. And, you know, of, of course, everybody will be busy with work. But um, do you want to get back into putting out more um, teaching stuff or more more tutorial stuff is that something you'd want to do, keep doing again in the future yeah totally like i i've made i think two or three tutorials and like so far like people were always like oh this is really helpful and i i really enjoy like sometimes i browse like art station or twitter and i see like hey someone made this like this dungeon or the, the treasure chest tutorial i made and i'm always really yeah. happy <laughs> and interested yeah. to see that oh cool people have doing this and this looks awesome and like okay then i i think they learned something from me which is really nice yeah definitely i, I think it's one of like i said it's it's one of the few things i've found that has been not only a really great um tutorial for an environment and also working within game assets and making game ready stuff but also the stylized aspect of it and making it you know more appealing to that visual style and again it's something i feel that is lacking within the the education space like i don't feel there is enough people um, exploring that avenue, that's that style of 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 three D making, um, which I think is is one of the things you're obviously leading in. Because um, I mean, like I think it's some of the bigger companies like Blizzard. A lot of those guys will be in a point where they are just so busy with work, they'll never be able to do tutorial stuff. I mean, like we were talking about Simon um, Simon's tutorial that I'm doing just now, and that's one of the few people I've seen at Blizzard actually put out tutorials for environment stuff and. Um, I feel like it's something that 
I would love to see more of, but again, it's 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 very rare, and um, yeah. I don't know, I don't know why. Um, I think also like it also depends where you work and like what what the policies you there are. For example, like what kind of things can you do while you work and not share like any inside information and like if I if you sh- if I show you something that I do, which I also do you, uh, which I also do at work, then mm. there might be some trouble. Um, so yeah, I think, I've, I think yeah. Uh, making tutorials and all that is a very good uh, thing to do when you're freelancing. <clears throat> when you're actually actually company, it's it's difficult. Yeah, I think the the Blizzard guys especially because I have tried to talk to a couple of them to come on um, the, the the podcast and yeah, they've been told kind of like straight out like they can't do any kind of media stuff. It's very hush hush. Like a lot of them can't interview and I've seen a lot of the guys, their profiles on Facebook, they have like, um, like my opinions on my own. Like they, they want to get people confused that like the things the artists are saying on their Facebook or anything connected with Blizzard. Um, I mean, even when I spoke to Mark, it was lucky that obviously he'd been left the company for about a year. So, um, he had no further connection to the company so he could just talk about his job. So, um, so yeah, that was, it was, it was one of those things where there's so many awesome people there doing such awesome work and you want to be able to sit and have a conversation with them, but it's rare to meet people outside. And then when you do meet them, you can't really talk to them in an official capacity, you know, recording or anything. You could have the conversations on it. I mean, I've talked to guys from Blizzard, you know, about their, their work, um, you know, off, as I say, off camera, off record. Um, but yeah, they could never come on in an official capacity and talk about what they're doing because, yeah, it's, it's just very hush-hush um, as is most of the, the game stuff so yeah unfortunately but it's it's just how it works and uh, it's like yeah you, you you try just to avoid it like telling anything because you never know if you like make a mistake or not because yeah. it's not very clear oh man I mean I mean this was years ago before I actually left my job and I actually used to do games media so I used to cover events for websites and stuff and write about games um, and I got to go to one of the launches of the, the Arkham game when it first came out the Arkham Asylum game and one of the producer guys was saying that he got in trouble like the day before because uh, someone had had like screamed at the top of their lungs like, oh, we're going to get to play Robin. And the guy was like, why would you want to play as Robin? Like, he's totally fucking terrible. And then like DC were literally like on the phone the next day, like you can't bash our, our superheroes. Please don't do that. It was like, oh, fuck. So, um, so yeah, like you have to be super careful, especially when it comes to like protected IPs and these big franchises that have run for years because... Uh, yeah especially king like it's it's such an entity in itself now like they've almost taken over the world when it comes to mobile games and stuff like that because they're just everywhere um so yeah it's it's one of those things you don't want to tread in anyone's anyone's feet and say something that could potentially lose you your job so um yeah that's that's got to be a, a landmine you want to avoid so so i mean when you come in you know you've came straight from the education system you've went through these jobs You've talked about you know moving from kind of space to space and now you're at king um when you look at um i mean i suppose you will get people eventually that will ask you for feedback on their portfolio and stuff is there anything you're seeing as a trend when it comes to maybe especially environment artists do you feel like there's something people are missing or there's something that you feel like they should be doing but aren't when it comes to applying for jobs um. at king or anywhere uh, so I think I think for environment artists, um, I, I see a lot of portfolios that say you're an environment artist, but I don't see a single environment, which sometimes uh, people make like an asset, like a weapon 
then maybe a fire hydrant and then maybe another asset and then they say they're environment artists and it's not like you you probably if you hire for environment artists you want to see finished environments and that that includes like lighting uh setting up a mood maybe having like it doesn't need to be gigantic but just show us something that uh tells a bit of a story has a bit of an idea and uh like i see a lot of people having um who actually should call themselves asset artists or like probably work on it a bit more before they uh, should apply for environment art jobs (laughs) yeah yeah definitely i mean like uh, that's an interesting statement because i mean like every single artist in the world is different right everybody has an opinion about what you should and shouldn't show in portfolios and what you should be focusing on but i did have a conversation with um an established artist who's worked in the industry who was saying that I've no name names, but the comment was basically that when you're building a portfolio, especially for environment stuff, you should be focusing on individual assets because he says typically when you get hired, your first job or work would be building assets for an environment. Um, he feels that there isn't enough overlap where people wouldn't be as accomplished enough to build a whole environment and make it look impressive enough to be hired. You, I'm going to say, do you feel that's the case? But I'm probably assuming from your answer previously that it wouldn't be like you feel. I, I think I can I can understand that as well. But like it's um, I think making assets or like being like being able to model something is is usually in, in many artists' skill set already. And, yeah. Um, and but then having like seeing you put it together is is a totally different skill. I think. Um, but right. I, I don't disagree with what you just said. It's true. Yeah, no, I think there's 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 both sides of the coin there. I think there is merit in, in what you're both saying, and yeah, I think it's just, I think having, in my opinion, I think having both, yeah, would like have a couple of, but then you can even build into something, right? You could you could focus on one environment, but then use the individual assets as as a starting point to build something, and then put those assets in a scene, and in in an engine and light them, and then that becomes your environment, right? That becomes your your storytelling your thing you're putting at the end of it so you yeah, could okay. definitely do both so yeah i mean like i i yeah it's just a different take on it on the same thing but so apart from the the not having environments in the portfolio is there something you feel like even program wise do you feel like more people should be modeling and like using zbrush and mudbox do you feel people should be sculpting more or do you think you can still just model stuff by hand and, and Maya and other programs or even texture and lighting? Is that something also you feel people lack? Or I think, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I just said lighting is super important because um, you can you can make like the most beautiful assets and you can make the like coolest scene, but if the lighting is bad, then it, it shows. And then yeah. it, it, it shows that you might have a poor like taste or choice and it might not be your intention, but... It just, uh, you didn't finish it a hundred percent and it could look so much better and then why didn't you do it um yeah and for like for programs i don't i don't think it matters like if you do max or maya who cares like mm. and if you if you can model then just yeah. uh, take some time and learn the other program um for, for sculpting i don't know if that's uh like for environment artists i rarely sculpt and like even like now with like substance designer and substance painter i sculpt even less even though it's like probably the thing i enjoy the most but it's also the the thing that uh, takes the most time so i think there are so many things you can do now to speed up your workflow um but uh, it's, it's nice to have of course but it's not the most important thing anymore i think yeah no i mean like i i feel like um a lot of the 
the environment stuff or prop stuff is going towards um, people using substance designer and using procedural modeling within that program. Um, like uh, one of the guys is it Javier Perez or uh, Perez. Like he actually done the the stylized acts within um, designer, but none of it was modeled. It was all just procedurally generated through the program, um, which freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> so, yeah, I saw that too. That was crazy. Oh man, and then even looking at your Zelda stuff, I mean, was that something that was modeled or was that something also that you were doing procedurally within designer? No, that that was like completely substance designer and it, it's like I I didn't I mean, I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but I'm also still I'm quite new to the program, so I was like, okay, yeah. what what is a cool thing, like cool material I can do? And I was like, yeah, cool, I love Zelda. And I love like the, the the shrine, so let's make a material based on that. And yeah, it turned out uh, you don't need to model it, which is uh, scary. <laughs> crazy, yeah, very crazy. I mean, even looking at your graph, like for that program, I was having a seizure. Like it looked so incredibly complicated. Yeah, you know? like it, I'm... it's so weird with these graphs because I don't like to to post them because I don't see the point. But there's always people, oh please, uh, why don't you show your graph? And yeah, it's because super gigantic and messy how do you even understand what's going on oh god yeah like i mean just looking at the node system and that i was like oh my god there was so many you know separate entities even just for like you know your, your ring part in the background the lines the eye shape the concrete so i was just getting lost and how how would you just navigate that i mean it's it's hard i think or hard enough for me working in stuff like hypershade where you're plugging in assets and that and going from something like that to designer is such a massive leap yeah um, it's, it's 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 kind of true but it's, it's really funny i'm not like i'm not that kind of technical person or like like if, if you give me something with a node-based interface i'm usually like oh no not for me <laughs> <laughs> but um it's it yeah it was super interesting to dive into it and it's just like it's a different way of thinking but in the end you, you're still making art it's just the, the way how you get there is is just completely different yeah i think it's just these things where technology is so rapidly moving forward um, almost to the point you know some of us can't keep up with it but it's also like the AI stuff now that's getting generated you know AI things that can generate scenes or pictures just from a couple of lines and it is terrifying because um, yeah you almost feel like you have to keep up with some of that as well because that's going to be something that's going to used in studios at one point I mean why wouldn't it be if I mean there was one of the guys I think Shadi actually shared it where he was. It was one of his friends in LA that he'd made a procedural generator or an AI generation software where they could it could build an environment just from like a couple of lines or a couple of words. I think it was like a kid's bedroom. Um, and the computer basically modeled and lit the entire thing in a couple of hours, and I was just like, "How? Like, you know, how is this? Are our jobs in danger? Should we be panicking?" But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the technology is a while off yet, but it was still scary to look at that stuff and think. I mean, yeah, if, you, if you look at how fast things are like moving, like every year there's something new, or it's 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 a bit scary, but it's also um, just like I try to be on top of it a little bit and just be like at the moment, like with Substance Designer or something. I'm just so amazed because like it's like oh my god, this is so different and this is so cool. And uh, I didn't think this would work, but then like having a lot of fun discovering new like ways of working, um, yeah, it's really nice. <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think it's it's going to be the fact that you know 
the thing with substance as well is, and that's another, that's a whole, that'd be another whole hour podcast. I know the flip normal guys have talked about it at length, but the fact that they're now under the Adobe umbrella um, is giving a couple of people palpitations. So I don't know where that program is going to go from here, how it's going to be handled by Adobe. Um, but as far as I know, the last time they talked about it, like the substance team is still the substance team. That's never going to change. But now they just come under the umbrella of the the creative cloud. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because Substance is now becoming more the standard for texturing than most other programs. I mean, I've never really ever touched Mare um, or Quixel stuff, so I would be kind of lost when they come to that stuff. But I don't know. I feel like Substance is quite user-friendly. I feel like it's no as difficult to take on and understand that as much as, as other programs like with Megascans. So... I mean, do you feel like Substance for you is, is more user-friendly or, or is it something that you just use more because you're within the games industry? Or uh, I I think I agree with you that it's super user-friendly and it's like it's used, everyone I talk to is using Substance in, in their studio. And uh, I think, there, I, I know some people who use Quixel, but I never like personally used it. And like now that it's like within Adobe, like I don't know how that's going to be with like the licensing and pricing and all that, but it's like very... <laughs> It's yeah, part of the same package anyway, then probably I see a lot more people using it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just substance I've probably seen from their days of building that in France and, and it being quite a small thing to now where it is. I think Adobe is definitely going to give them that reach, because that push every, out. Like every studio or everyone is using Photoshop and if it's the same kind of like in the same launcher or umbrella or whatever, they're going to have plans for it, then why would yeah. I put all of this to go somewhere else? No, of course not. It does make a lot of sense, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, so, well, definitely all that is super awesome, but um, I also have one last question, which is um, how is Project Hans getting on, or House, or I'm not too sure how you say it, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the it's a German word. It's uh, Hanse, which is kind of uh, the the architecture, like the way the architecture is called. Uh, where from where I grew up in Germany, and uh, I thought like when I was there, like every now and then, it's, it's so cool, and I would like to see that in an environment. Um, right. So I'm very very slowly chipping away on that and kind of trying to go a bit like Overwatch style on it. Um, yeah. But I it's like it's a bit. Uh, I'm dividing my free art time kind of between that and Substance Designer, and I'm having so much fun with Substance Designer at the moment. That, um, <laughs> I really need to go get back on that, but it's uh, it, I, I'm not in a rush, so I'm just working on it whenever I feel like it. And yep. um, but it's definitely still on my list to to finish. Yeah, I mean, every time I kind of see the blog coming up, and I think it was only recently you started um, pushing the blogs out when you started, you know, making bits of assets and, and making the, the kind of environment. And I was like, oh, thank God, you know, like I've, I've, I've loved to see, you know, Marie's personal work. And when that came out, I was like, oh, this is something else I can follow. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things I just love diving into the world you create. I think that's, that's one of the things I found that, um, draws me to artists of your caliber is, is the world you create with your storytelling um, and the, the places you invent you can get lost in it's it's very exciting for me like I said I want to be able to do that one day and make my own place um, you know guys like yourself and um, there's also a Russian artist I really love um, I can never say his name properly but it's um, as Arsenin Ersen A-R-S-E-N-I-Y um he made, I think you linked him on your blog 
ages ago. That's how I got turned on to him. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, kind of. I'm... I think his, his, his surname is Cheb- Chebinkin. Uh-huh. Chebinkin. Um, he does like the kind of anime Japanese style. Oh, that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know this. Oh, this was super awesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like his stuff as well is like every time I look at one of his pictures, I'm like, I would love to get lost in that, um, in in that world. Um, actually, one of the guys I went to university with, um, Kazuya, he actually made um a three D um representation of one of his paintings or one of his his environments or his um I forget it was it was the Japanese in um I'll send it to you afterwards but um but yeah like his stuff as well it's just it's the world creation stuff that really gets me excited so yeah um I'll definitely be I'll be waiting with bated breath to to see how that turns out um that's, that's so, my yeah. favorite part to just uh, create like this space where people get lost in or like there's something to discover and just just by looking without even like having to play it but but just by looking at it it's I want to be there and that's like yeah. probably the the most fun. Uh, that the job is, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if if you're not having fun, then what is the point? So, yeah, man, I totally agree with you. Well, yeah, again, um, thanks for coming on, Tobias. It has been really awesome uh, talking to you and getting to learn more about your world. Um, and yeah, just definitely um, you guys stay tuned on the, on the Artcast and, and leave a comment for Tobias if you want I'm sure you'll see it um, and I'll put these links below in the description um, check us out on all the podcasting sites we're now on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud um, and a lot of other things Yeah, you'll find us everywhere um, and check out the YouTube version depending on who you're watching and um, yeah guys that's that's another episode wrapped up uh, thanks to Tobias again for coming yeah, on it was really awesome to talk to you no you're welcome man and uh yeah we'll see you guys later um bye everybody bye